So here we sit doing a third recording in as many weeks. You know, when we do these space heater chats, they tend to be, or the intention behind them is to be very, even more free flowing than the regular roundtable episodes. And in many respects, time has proven or time has said they, well, they were meant to be chats between regulars and former regulars, kind of in a more relaxed mood without the format of the regular roundtable. But as James and I have done them, and then as Mohammed started uh, doing it last time with us, or with me, they've proven that they can also be a replacement for what we used to do or with the digests. We can just hone in on one thing and talk about that ad nauseum for the entire recording. This podcast is called The Anime Roundtable. And it tends to, well, the whole idea is to talk anime, but we put, you know, anime and manga interchangeably. But by my own admission, I tend to overlook the manga side. And I was so into it back then. By my own admission, over the past couple of years, haven't always kept up with it nearly as much. But I know Kevin is way more into it at this point than I would be. And I have a great respect for it. And we haven't really had a more hardcore manga conversation in some time. And with Comic-Con passing a couple weeks ago, what? well, we hinted last week that there was an industry roundtable presented during the Comic-Con at home show. And we talk at length about it. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And so Kevin is here. We're going to talk about it, as I said. And Mohammed decided to join us. So Mohammed's doing his second go around uh, around the space heater. Kevin's doing the space heater for the first time. Hello. And we're going to get right. Well, we're almost get right to it. I know we're taping this as Otakon is going as Crunchyroll Expo or what do we call it? What's the term? The Virtual Crunchyroll Expo or something. Virtual Crunchyroll Expo is going. I know there are headlines coming out of that. We'll hint at a few of them. We'll talk about a couple of them if they're manga-related. Anything else? I know James and Jeff will get in on that when we do episode... What, what's the number? I've lost count. <laughs> uh, 48? Or is it 49? Yeah, 49. 50, right? No? We're close to 50, but when we do episode 49, either next week or the week after. But I want to hone in on the Manga Industry Roundtable. And first of all, I had a late night last night staying up to watch that and make notes because stuff really did get my attention watching that. 
I know Kevin has watched it a couple times. I know Mo has watched it at least three times. It was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. Well, let's let's hone in. I mean, it's Where it's been a, it, it's been a while since I've seen like an industry panel, but I will say that the the professionalism of it was really nice. Like they all were very business like, I guess. Just just very nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a well. It's knowledgeable. Clearly, oh, yeah. clearly the experience of everybody who did the panel, whether it's Deb Aoki as the moderator or the representatives from each of the companies, Mark Devera from Yen Press. Kevin yeah, Mark, Mark crushed it. Yeah. Mark Hamrick from Viz, Ed, Ch Ed Chavez speaking on behalf of Denpa, uh, Layla Acker, uh, specific, um, generally speaking, Penguin ra uh, Penguin Random House, but Square Enix. More, more Square Enix. Yeah, Square Enix, Square Enix uh, yeah. Yeah. And Ivan Salazar for Kodanja USA. Yep. The, they showed their knowledge. Yep. Clearly, they, they know a few things. And they'll let you know a few things. They'll let you know, but they'll let you know you don't know as much as you think you know as a fan. No, absolutely. And I, I, I just, I like the, the variety of companies that were on this panel, right? You had Ed uh, all the way to like, Kevin with biz and so forth, just like the barometer of. Sure, you got the. Uh, Deb used the term 800 pound gorilla. Exactly. <laughs> when referring to biz and more specifically Shonen Jump. We'll get to that in a bit later. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, then you get uh, Denpa and Ed at Chavez being really the. Uh, is Minnow a fair word to describe? No, nah, man, he he's the he's the unsung hero. He's that he's that dude who 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 produces local artistry based quality stuff that you know is gonna be good, man. He's oh. your local he's he's your local baker versus like the Walmart bread, right? <laughs> the Wonder Bread. Okay, that's well, a good with, one. Because I've I've gotten to know Ed throughout the years when he was back with Vertical. Uh, rest in peace. Uh He's usually had, uh, how do I put this? I think Layla had put this, how he ha does have like an artistic sensibility to most of the things he puts out. Uh, I know he does try and get things that he likes as well. If he feels like it's worth the risk and has a good chance for success. Uh, I know, for example, when they put out Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, uh, he, he even admitted that if, if Gundam The Origin didn't do well, that would have costed him his job. And fortunately, it did amazingly well for Vertical. The Gundam fans came through on that release. And it is a fantastic work. I, I'd arguably, I would argue that it's the definitive way to experience the original Mobile Suit Gundam trilogy. Don't at me. No. Okay. The movies are right. The movies are right. The movie, like for the anime, I would say watch the movies. Okay. For the original trilogy, that is. All right. So. Okay, where do you want to really start with this? 
I mean, could we? I mean, at the beginning, right? The incredible. Do, you, do we want to go in order with all the questions and thoughts from all of this? I mean, maybe not everything, but at least let's start with like the because I, I guess I might have overlooked the incredible year that Mango Records have had. Uh, but you know that was that was very nice. The um, the increase in sales and so forth, right? Yeah, this, mm-hmm. this is the second boom. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, I liked. Um, in the middle, they're talking about how it's not just the new titles that are like soaring, but like the older shit. Yeah. Uh, like how, f- <laughs> and and in, in my mind, it clicked right away. I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy a lot of new manga, but like, I will definitely buy like a re, a re, a reprint of like a sh- of of a of a volume or something that I really enjoyed. Right. I mean, yeah. Like yeah. I've been experiencing this firsthand for the past <laughs> year because. You know, the manga publishers have been saying, you know, just buy new stuff, please buy the new stuff. But uh, I've just, because I know the new stuff is going to stick around for a while, I've had to uh, panic buy a lot of old stuff because uh, because they, it's been very hard reprinting backstock because they need to still publish the new stuff. So the printers are backed up. So they need to make hard decisions on what they feel could be reprinted from the back catalog and what just needs to languish into obscurity. And I would say out of all the companies, uh, I would say Yen Press and Seven Seas have been affected the most by, uh, by this, where numerous volumes of different titles that they've been uh, releasing, whether or not it's completed or if it's ongoing, have been going massively out of print. So in the case of uh, Yen Press, so like Higarashi, Umineko, Inuboku Secret Service, uh, Barakamon, like these titles are almost entirely out of print. And these are not necessarily poor sellers like Inuboku SS and Barakamon. Several of those earlier volumes have had several printings. Igarashi had like seven or eight printings for much of the first half of their release. And now it's like you can't find most of the stuff. And then you'll see certain volumes going for 50, for 80, for 200, for 300 dollars on eBay and other secondhand marketplaces. It's pretty nuts. Uh, Seven Seas as well, like Railgun is ongoing, but it has like probably like 12 volumes that are out of print right now. Uh, Hogganai has like four or five volumes out of print right now, and that's about to be wrapping up soon at volume 20. Freezing has like a good four, five, six volumes out of print. One volume commands four hundred dollars on eBay. Like hey, it's so nuts. I had, I had a question about that. Do you think all these titles being out of print or relatively financially inaccessible increases piracy of them, or or what? Hmm. It's hard to say. I. It's possible. Granted, most of those titles had been scanlated for ages. Like anything that has 
as any remote popularity probably was scanlated at one point or another. Like I would expect Railgun to have been scanlated, for example. Hmm. Well, usually with all these out of print volumes, it tends to kill sales of the remaining imprint volumes more often than not. Like usually it will just sell a lot slower because people will go, Oh, if I can't buy this one book, then why do I bother? Or, well, I don't want to pay like 80 bucks for this one book. So like, why should I bother? So there's the, there's that give and take almost a vicious circle of sorts. And uh, even for Viz, uh, a lot of, they've been having trouble keeping their, uh, they've been ha having trouble keeping things in stock for even ongoing stuff. Like, you can't really find volumes of Jujutsu Kaisen or Chainsaw Man at times. And a lot of older titles are starting to get out of print books too, like even stuff like D. Grayman or or uh, like Tagami Bachi or like even like Hikaru no Go, like some of that stuff has been going out of print, like, like the odd volume here and there. Uh, Although I know with the Shonen Jump stuff, they like if it's something that's relatively popular, they or has some pedigree, they they will tell you that okay, no, we will eventually reprint this. So uh, there's a, a lot of out of stock slam dunk volumes right now, but Viz did mention how they do intend on reprinting it at some point. Same with Eye Shield. Uh, there's a few out of print. Well, not out of print. They're out of stock, technically, because Viz confirmed they will eventually reprint them. Uh, I know Black Lagoon has gone out of print for a few volumes. Oh, out of print. I always say out of print. But, like, various volumes of Black Lagoon have been going out of stock, and Viz does try to keep that in print because it does very well for them, for example, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Well, on the topic of uh, shonen, on the of the shonen genre, right? I mean, there's still, like, there's a reason. It's still rules. It's it, it's it's the biggest segment. And for for in terms of the, in terms of the manga medium, as a whole, it, it's the main. It's basically mainstream within that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the most accessible, right? I mean, in old, young, boy, girl. There's shifting. But yeah. they acknowledged the shifts. Well, absolutely. I mean, half the panel at the end was all about uh, the increase in sales and uh, the increase in um, uh, BL sales, right? Yeah. BL, Shoujo, getting somewhere. Exactly. BL for sure. Isekai seems yeah. to be oh. a, like, Isekai is not a term, is only a, I have to admit, a term that I've become familiar with only in the last couple of years, but the concepts I get. I, but the, the, the concepts have been around forever, like. The concept yeah, itself, exactly, yeah. I, exactly. As I said, I never knew the term. I, I wasn't familiar with the term, but I've seen it for a very long time. Escaflone is Isekai. Sorry? Escaflone is Isekai. I True. get it. Ah. I get it. As I said, I just never knew the word. And, and by the way, this is, this is how I got through school, too. Mm -hmm. I never knew the exact word, but I knew the ideas. Unfortunately, I couldn't associate them on a quiz, so more often than not, I failed the tests. Mm -hmm. But that's where we are. 
Yeah, that's why when Mark DeVero was saying how that was their segment of Shonen, so to speak, that has done very well for them. That and Seven Seas, they're the they're the two companies that have been putting out the most Isekai content lately. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's address the last year and how they look at the boom. This boom, you refer to it as the second boom, Kevin. They obviously it's nice. They I think I think it was who was it? I think it was Layla. It was uh, Layla Acker used the metaphor of a sine wave. Yep. So it goes up, it comes yeah. down, it goes up, and and in many respects, the industry as a whole seems to be bracing for. Not necessarily a downturn, but a leveling, a settling. I think that's what was the term they used? A gradual decline. The gradual decline might be overstating it. Plateauing, maybe? Plateau might be the better word. I'm I'm looking for it in my own notes, but yeah. I mean it's yeah. it's it's I, I I like the um, the analogy Layla gave about the first boom and what caused that to happen versus the second boom and what's causing oh. this one to happen yeah this is like it's less because she reminded people about borders and their involvement in all of this it was a case of putting all your eggs in one basket or almost or certainly roughly half if not give or take and then 2008 2009 borders and all associated stores uh walden books dalton gone and there go and there and with it went at least half of your outlets, your distribution outlets, your almost means of every getting out. Small there. publisher went down with that too. Sorry. And then almost every small publisher at the time went under, like mm-hmm. Gokami or Raijin. Yeah. And then uh, you had different companies cancel titles like uh kodansha canceled titles like nodame and suzuka and school rumble uh viz had to cancel several titles like strawberry 100 which i am still sad about uh as well as like Hirohime and uh what else there was a couple shoujo titles that got canceled like body yeah, like a lot of companies were affected one way or another. Mm-hmm. And well, and obviously now we now you just uh, mentioned the effect that it had, and and the way and the way Acker put it, the only way that could happen again is if Amazon went under. True. I mean, it's 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 similar, I guess. I mean. I, it's like you hitch your entire wagon to uh, another entity, right? So, I mean, it, Amazon could go down. Like, it probably won't, but it could, right? I mean, well, we're, in theory, of course, you leave yourself if you leave yourself open. But this is probably a safer, safer tie in, right? Because if Amazon were to fail, then like the entire world has a bigger, bigger problems. Well, you, you know, you'll get you'll get arguments about how cool it would be too, but true, true. You're right. So that's the only thing that could uh, see it. So there's a boom right now, and is it COVID? And much of it's COVID driven. True. Much of it's pandemic yeah. driven. They expect a leveling, not necessarily a downturn, just a settling of everything. 
I have to find the exact term I kept hearing throughout all of that, but, you know, I mean, as, as, um, Salazar said during being locked up indoors really helped signaling of acceptance in, of anime and manga and taking advantage of people rediscovering incre with increased accessibility through digital. We'll get to the digital parts. I, I know we'll get to the digital parts a bit later on, but he just referred to it as a perfect storm because not just the, the pandemic helped in, in and of itself generation. It's just that there had been a lot of other things that kind of set that had happened around the industry that really fit, really um, were able to take advantage of everything that ha happened in the pandemic. Basically, pandemic being a catalyst of sorts. Like it, it was, but you understood how the catalyst, how it as a catalyst worked. Okay. You took issue. I think, Kevin, you took issue with this thought. Um, Shonen Jump being uh, the being the eight hundred pound gorilla. What's up with the app? And Hamrick made uh, made a couple points. Continue the subscription model with Shonen Jump. I guess that's that refers to the app and see what's been working in Japan. So basically, see how it works on digital and consider print in the process. Hoping for a binging mentality and hopefully driving backlist sales. Subscription service seems to be a good low-cost entry point to sample new series and hopes to help the print side. Well, uh, th those were my notes. I didn't take issue with that. It, that's what they've been doing this whole time with the Shonen Jump app. They, but, but, sorry. You, I, I mean, we're, we're, um, we're in this. Like, we've talked about this off-air. Mm -hmm. I know you may have a disagreement with some one part of all of this. I think, or maybe, and maybe you're just speaking as a collector. Oh, you're talking about this. Well, this was more specifically in reference to what uh, is Ivan Salazar is his name. I forgot. Okay, uh, so this is more. This was more on Ivan than. Yeah, Kevin. it's it's mostly with how Kodansha has been doing things lately, where. They have been going much heavier into digital first slash digital exclusive releases. So certain titles they will just print and digitize immediately upon release. Whereas there are numerous other titles that are digital only and these are clearly the titles that they don't have as much confidence in that they'll do well in print mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, and um, digital good testing ground, although, and then these are my notes again, and this was an interesting point that he brought up in terms of the digital side. Although fairly, uh, digital is a good testing ground, although fairly different even on different platforms. And he put up an example. Kindle seen Kindle down Kindle, um, Kindle digital sales, or I guess ebooks or e-ink devices like a Kindle seems to be more popular mm -hmm. in terms of downloads of things like Jose and Shoujo. But uh, using with you going with Amazon again, Comixology 
The app seems to be more popular for those who like to consume shonen and seinen. It was, I found that an interesting point because of the known consumer bases of those services. Kindles, yeah. e-ink devices, Kindles are more known to appeal to a female crowd. Fem um, women are more known to, are more likely to hold a, a Kindle as opposed to reading off of a tablet. They're likely to have the tablet too, but if they're going to read, it's going to be on a Kindle or an e-ink device, something dedicated, an e-reader, a Kobo, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then comics, but then guys, I guess, you know, they'll, they'll go with, they'll, um, they probably aren't likely to have such a thing. So they'll, they're more likely to do it with a everything device like a tablet. And so have the apps ready appropriately for that, like a comiXology. And hence, hence the appeal or the, um, why that breaks down Shonen and Seinen on something like comiXology. Because of that, Salazar keeps mentioning he, ha he, as, he as in Kodansha, probably has to hit, uh, look at hitting very different formats and spreading and casting their net, I guess, to reach as many people as possible. But I thought I thought him bringing that up was a really interesting point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've so. noticed that too. That most of Kodansha's shojo content have been digital only, because shojo is uh, not as popular as it used to be in terms of uh, that type of content. Like if we think about the traditional, air quotes, traditional, like shoujo manga. So you're more romance based titles. You're more, uh, so stuff like, I don't know, stuff like Vampire Night or like Honey and Clover or Mars. That stuff, uh, there's just fewer, there are not as many titles coming out nowadays in as before I feel like I look at visit shoujo be imprint they definitely don't publish as much as they used to like they obviously are still putting out new stuff but definitely not the same amount as say the mid late 2000s uh, I think that like with Kodansha like yeah there's just there's like a few but I know like a longer shoujo title like LDK was not doing well for them. So they had to do the omnibus release. Like they decided to put two volumes in one for their, those later books. And when they do that, that's when you know a series is bombing for Godansha. Because that's a common practice that they've done. As in like what, going omnibuy? Yeah. So if a, if a series first started out coming out one book at a time, but then they started doing like, volume 19 and 20 or volume 21 and 22 that's when you know a title is not doing well for Kodansha so LDK is one of those examples and uh Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches is another example of that where they did they're, they've been doing two-in-one releases of that and they've slowed down the release of that series too so you don't get as many books coming out in a year or two for that specific series because they need to stimmy the blood loss so to speak Hmm. So, 
you don't paint, you don't see as rosy a picture for shoujo, so to speak. And and, and I guess uh, maybe Jose to that degree. Yes, like, okay. I honestly, you know, like, there haven't been as many shoujo hits, I would say. Probably the last big shoujo hit that was not a, re- a, a reoccurring IP was is probably Yona of the Dawn by Viz. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think of really huge hits in the past for shoujo, like Orin High School Host Club, like Fruits Basket, like Sailor Moon, like Vampire Night. Like, there have been sizable hits, but they're not, like, not to the level of a Fruits Basket, I would say. Hasn't been one of those in quite a while. Whereas you look mm. at Shonen, there's consistently like really big titles. I mean, the formula is easier to follow for Shonen, right? I think it. I think that's also just no the history of the. Well, I'm wondering how much of this is part of the history of manga, of English language manga. It's because, like, I'll say this: it's because with Shonen, like traditional male targeted shonen titles like more often than not you'll have times where or you'll have titles where both males and females and everybody in between can enjoy that stuff but then but when it comes to girl targeted or female targeted titles you're not going to have nearly as many males consuming that content yeah it's like the um he-man stuff right <laughs> and then in talking about jose like ed brought this point up how jose still tends to not do nearly as well and jose is jose manga is something that i know ed does like to put out and does try to take risks when he thinks it's uh worth a shot like i know uh, he's put out stuff by Moyoko Ano and uh, Kyoko Okazaki back when uh, he was with Vertical. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of a shame. Uh, hopefully, March comes in like a line will do well. That's uh, Chika Umino's newer work, Creator of Honey and Clover. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay, I mean, it still boggles me to some point. And remember, I've been using the uh, the analogy of shonen being the mainstream within the manga medium. Safe, which I don't know if you. First of all, do you agree with that metaphor? Just so we, uh, just so I can. Can you just continue running with that metaphor? Huh? Can you repeat that metaphor? Shonen being the mainstream within the manga medium and in the anime medium too i would say kind of goes without saying Mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of what reinforces the the popularity of shonen manga right just the fact that the shows are there and that brings on the cycle of reading the manga and then that these new shows and new manga and so forth and so forth and so forth I, I, i guess part of it and this this comes back down to the like Deb 
brought up the idea of, okay, what goes into the decision-making process of what gets picked up? We're not kidding on how much get how much is picked up. And just an acknowledgement, first of all, we're only seeing a little bit, the tip of the iceberg at best. True. So there's a couple different considerations, but I think uh, a key, uh, a key line, and this was said by Acker, although she had another interesting line, which I'll get to in a few seconds, which I think ties into one of the stories we followed last week. Sometimes it's just the commitment. And then she went on to cite Hajime no Ippo, which has been run 131 volumes. I love how she used a competitor's example. Cause, you think uh, cause, just throwing it back in their face. I mean, yeah, she used to work there. So. Ippo, no, because Ippo is Ippo's with Kodansha. That's a Kodansha. Oh, manga. right, right. I thought it was with Viz, no? No, it's a Kodansha manga. So, okay. Uh, in Japan, so, and it's funny because sometimes I do it. Uh, check out those Kodansha uh, events online, and every so often you'll have a few people going, "Hey, why aren't you licensing Hajime no Ippo? We want Hajime no Ippo, man!" Like, and then they're probably trolls, to be honest. But you you get a few of those people coming out of the woodwork. Sure, and, and that's the thing. More often than not, when you license a manga, you have to license all of it. You have to commit. And we saw what happened when you, well, we saw a version of what happened. I mean, I still stay, you said it with Strawberry 100%, although there was other circumstances. I say it with, I hate you more than anyone. That That got canceled just one volume short of the end. CMX did, although there, once again, it could have been, those circumstances. Oh, that was because of borders. That was 100% because of borders. Uh, but most it, of the Viz ones were borders too, with some exceptions like Zatch Bell. And that was not because of borders, but that's another topic altogether. But when, but it kind of goes, like what pisses you off more? A title never completing or a title never starting? Because Title never completing. Right, because... Nobody cares about the circumstances by and large. They're understandable. But uh, just Joe Schmo doesn't care why it happened. The fact is they wanted it to finish. It never finished. That looks bad. I will never buy from you again, but you may not. But who cares? You're probably not in business anymore. So... But I'm not buying you again either way. So this is like that's that's part of the dilemmas. And maybe this is where we this is sort of part of that selection process. It's a multi-volume commitment, but you still have to keep it a manageable commitment. Especially if you're gonna go outside your comfort zone, which is another question. Yeah, like when it comes to that kind of stuff, I feel like this usually doesn't like to repeat failures like like there's certain things that you can kind of sense i feel and this is you know this is speculation but when it comes to like the digital exclusive titles that you know were formerly in the shonen jump app but they decide not to put in print uh one title that's ongoing that actually has become more popular in japan is uh one called mission yozakura family uh, that one is very akin to another past Shonen Jump manga called Reborn, if anyone remembers Reborn. 
that one was also a uh, an action series that started off as a comedy, like a wacky com- ensemble cast comedy that turned serious later on. And uh, Reborn got canceled uh, after the Borders situation happened. That was one of the, the victims. And uh, despite Yozakura doing pretty well in the, the polls in Japan, like, for whatever reason, Viz is choosing not to put that in print right now. Like, they're keeping it digital exclusive right now. And I can't help but feel like they don't want another Reborn on their hands, even though uh Yozakura family turned into a serious action title a lot quicker than Reborn did. Hmm. Sort of a jump, title jump that shark came out thing. after Mission Yozakura family like Mashal are have already been announced that they're going to put that in print. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously we don't know the the numbers so to speak, so that's why I say that that's speculation on my part. Still, a nice way to put it. Or you look at like how Viz really doesn't put out the really perverted romantic comedies nowadays because uh, they didn't, you know, ever since Strawberry 100% got canned, I can't really think of a really pervy Shonen Jump series that they've put out because. You could argue that it's not kind of not on brand with how Viz wants to portray Shonen Jump because they never picked up Two Love Rue. They never picked up Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs. Uh, they finally let Seven... Or, uh, what was it? Shueisha finally allowed Seven Seas to pick those up. But mm-hmm. interestingly enough, uh, Ayakashi Triangle actually did get picked up for... Uh, simul publication not on the app though you have to go on viz's website for that and uh, remains to be seen whether or not they'll eventually put that in print uh, i think it it might be digital only i don't remember that announcement if that happened or not but uh yeah that's another example where like you know they're more hesitant on past failures. But I think with Ayakash Triangle, once they simulpub that, it meant that they were literally simulpublishing every single new title in Weekly Shonen Jump. Okay. Well. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. So they twice bit, uh, just don't want to be, you know, bitten, twice bitten, right? Mm-hmm. In many respects. They're so carefully in some instances, yes. Yeah, it's just we're talking, but but how long would those have those first bites have happened? How how many years are we talking? Well, how many years? Probably ago? ten years ago, eleven years See. ago, twelve years ago. But and, then again, uh, they've sometimes, you know, what they deemed were not worth the risk. Sometimes they do go back and go through with it after all, because let's let's remember this. Demon Slayer was one of those titles that they didn't think was worth the risk at first. So it didn't, they didn't even put it as part of the Simulpub lineup after they did the first three chapters of the trial run. It was only maybe a year, year and a half later that they did decide to put out Demon Slayer uh, straight to a book format. 
Like, so they weren't simulpubbing it, but they were eventually putting out it out from volume one onwards and then it blew up. And so then they actually, no, I think it, they did decide to simulpub it eventually. And then the anime came out and then it exploded. And then here we are. Uh, and Act Age was another example of they didn't simulpub that at first, but they eventually did. Mm-hmm. So and my point is, well, we're talking 10 years ago. So other thing, obviously, so other conditions have come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me go with this line that from Acker's thought about what get, uh, the process that gets picked up because I want to tie it in with the thought that one of the headlines from we covered last week. And this is the note as I wrote it. Publishers have different considerings and some specializations. Viz has shown in Yen Press has Isekai and light novels. Kodansha spreads out, calls them more of a waterfront. Denpa, more independent and artistic. Perf- uh, perf- probably uh, going back to what we talked about with uh, Ed Chaffis just a few minutes ago. Square Enix, more on the video game tie-ins and commercial tie-ins. And they're looking at what will succeed in the market. Fans don't realize that how opaque that is. I guess there's always more to it. Japan, North American... Europe, French, English, Italian, Spanish, they all have different sensibilities and different things will work in different places. Then certain types of material are more suitable for certain markets than not. I mean, it basically boils down to dollar-dollar bill, y'all, right? Well, yeah, part of it's dollar-dollar bill, y'all. But that last sentence suitable for certain markets and not suitable for in other markets. Yeah. And that brings my, and you know, and I think you know where I'm about to go with this. Maybe. Take a guess. Just go with it. I, I okay. don't really know. Takeshi Natsuno's words we mentioned last week, Katakawa's president, oh. when he put his foot in his mouth. And remember, we, we accused, at worst, we accused, we accused um, Katakawa's PR of not, of uh, letting their message get out of control. But I always said, I said at the time last week, he, like, realistically, you have to think about that. And in many respects, that I think if 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 Natsuno put his word put his terms came out with the tone that I, that Acker in many ways had in this in this round table, I don't think he would have been dragged through the mud like he was. So that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm beginning to 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 think here. And you know that that's what um that's what Natsuno Natsuno has to start to look at it at least from his end on the Japanese side. Okay, that's okay, maybe that's a tangent and all that. And maybe I'm missing something. That's why I brought it up. 
is there something, is there an, a, an aspect to all of this I'm missing? Or do we just let others listen? Do we let Jeff and James listen and maybe they'll uh, see something I don't? Or at the very least, is it at least is this at least food for thought? Probably some food for thought, if anything. I mean, I'm not going to try and claim I'm right or anything like that. It just had me thinking in those terms, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this those might have been the words or the thoughts. What Acker just expressed might have been the thoughts that Kadokawa's president actually had. But boy, did it not come out that way. Anyway. Want to keep moving? Sure. Okay. Devere, okay, let's go back uh, to that same question. Devera's line. Can I sell it? And I can I sell it on two fronts? Look for the anime tie-in. Taking a few gambles, like light novels. But respect some level of risk-taking. So fans have to make themselves known and step up. That was what, that was how I summarized his answer to what goes into gets pick, getting picked up. I mean, honest, his answer was the most concise, right? I mean, obviously the financials is important. Make sure that the the verticals are all there to maximize profits, but not everything is just for profits. You take a shot once in a while on something that you know becomes a demon slayer, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, business is part of uh, risk is part of business. Exactly. Just using the old cliche, you can't always it. play it safe. You have to look to capture lightning in a bottle, well, right? That's why they're putting all those isekai titles? Because uh, several of them have eventually been turned into anime, mm -hmm. which will help. And then you you will have just. People who are dedicated isekai fans that will just eat up any type of isekai content as well. Oh, yeah. And okay. You cool. also have uh, solo leveling where, yes, that is a bit of a risk in that it's never been. Webcomics, Korean webcomics haven't really been uh, put out yet. But then, of course, they went with a very popular title. Yeah. So, like, some of that risk is hedged as well. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they're doing the Marvel, Disney, every movie studio type scenario where it's like put money in something huge that has big returns and spend the excess profits on smaller, less known titles in hopes for them to succeed, right? Well, that, that's happened with most companies. Uh, yeah. I know with Viz that happens sometimes. Uh, I know, uh, yeah, I said that happens with Seven Seas as well, where, uh, you know, they put out a lot of isekai and light novels and uh, horny manga, but then that the sales of those can allow them to put out, like, Cutie Honey or Queen Emeraldus or Captain Harlock, like, from the classic line that they sometimes do. So you do see that at work every so often. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, then once again, then that kind of leads into 
into Aoki's next question. Name a title in your list or genre that's outside your comfort zone that you hope people will take a chance on that wouldn't have been tried five years, some odd years ago. They could play that in. And well, that ended up across the board. It was, there was a consistent, consistently across the board, it was BL. Yep. But another answer was also classics, Fruits Basket. But, and you just uh, cited Harlock, but sometimes it's, so let's, let's, let me further divide the classic answer and say rediscovering of classics from modern classics. Yeah. Rediscovering classics and intro and then going even further back, probably showing something almost for the first time, a classic. But BL was BL was the big answer. Well, not really BL so much as just titles about LGBTQ characters. The want for representation, which we constantly talk, which we have brought up on a number of occasions. BL has been around for quite a while. Sure. But there, the want is now there. So now make it known. Now look for it. Here's a shovel. Can you dig it? Maybe that's a bad way that there. Maybe I just use that lyric wrong. Yeah, and then uh, there was a thought. There was uh, some thoughts on Dick Fight Island. What the hell, man? I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> but there's this hope, and Chav is a kind of a like summed up uh, that question, or at least ended his answer to that question by saying he does hope to see Jose Jose titles kind of hit a stride of some sort. As do I. I love Jose. And maybe the market says it could happen because, well, remember, and this is like a key pillar in stuff. And I think when we talked about Sony, your consumers are growing, not not, not necessarily uh, not growing in terms of numbers, just growing up more like it. Yep. And then they're passing it out on. Absolutely. They're passing that. They're passing that on to their kids and grandkids. All right. But their and their tastes are maturing too. There's your hopes with the Jose and more mature titles. Maybe and then maybe uh, maybe um their tastes get eclectic again. Their shoujo's next chance. If if you are of the argument that it's that it's not there right now. But once again, it comes back down to. Well, ten years have passed, and things change, and a lot of things change in ten years. Okay, let's go back. Let's continue the questions in order that they were asked. Piracy. Hmm. It's if there. Jeff Chavez said it's there. Devera. Does it affect acquisitions? Nope, not really. But it, it gives us a good chance. A good gives gives us a good sense of what's been popular. That's very interesting of him to say that. Maybe times have changed now, but. Depending on which company you spoke to in the past, they would tell you that sometimes it does affect licensing decisions. Maybe so you think you it think doesn't affect like, his company specifically, his, like his employer specifically, but uh, it, it depends. 
No, but I mean, his, his... I think, I think, I think, the, and I think you have a contrasting answer between him and Chavez. And I think that's also just the big guy, uh, the big publisher or the reasonably sized publisher with who Devera works for. And then contrast that with what Chavez says, because he works for a smaller publisher. Go ahead, Mo. Well, I mean, no, I was just going to say that, like, you 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 uh, you hit it on the on the head with the whole size comparison, right? I mean, piracy hits different companies in different ways depending on the size, right? Uh, but the the idea that because something will be pirated or is possibly capable of being pirated, uh, affecting their decision to license it, I mean, it, I I have to side with uh, Mark on that, saying that like. If they had to make their decisions based on piracy, they never license anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, but I thought that was an interesting answer. Great answer too. Oh yeah. But he, he, but Devera also adds another element to this and says, still not a good thing to do, obviously, still, especially if you're the artist. I mean, I, he did mention the whole, the, I mean, this current generation's rise with the Patreon coffee you know, support the artist directly, right? I mean, I feel like in five, ten years' time, that's just going to become more commonplace, which hopefully will lead to, like, people not pirating as much, right? Uh, identifying with the artist, empathizing. That- a little bit more empathizing. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the upside of, the stream- of this generation of streaming and twitching. That's the hope. You, or that's where you, that's the ideal part. Where you, yeah, right, exactly, the hope. Well, but I will say, like, I have friends who make six figures and they still pirate manga because they don't value the product. Or So I have one friend who makes six figures. The, the only manga he owns is Slam Dunk. Because he he loved it that much that he really felt like he owned it. Everything else not worth it to him. Mm-hmm. I I have other I have other friends that make various amounts of money, low and high, who just you know they just pirate everything. And even when there's a free option, when even when there's a free legal option, and even when they've caught up with the title and they're reading it every week that it comes out, they still won't read the free legal option they'd rather go to a pirate site because they can read 50 other things in one site people will justify Mm -hmm. anything people will justify their piracy however they wish and we also there's your yes there's the other version of dollar dollar bill exactly yeah no i was gonna say i mean it's just the the, people convince themselves of anything when it comes to piracy right i can speak for myself like i'm 12 weeks behind in one piece like I, because I fell behind on Weekly Shonen Jump reading because I was trying to look for a new job, and I really felt like I'd be wasting my time if, uh, if I wasn't trying to look for a new job. And, uh, am I gonna pay for a sc- subscription to catch up to those the those nine chapters that I missed? No, I'm gonna like read those nine chapters illegally, and then I'm gonna read the. The last three chapters legally and then i'll just resume reading it legally from there that's everyone's gonna justify it one way or another 
It, so you just no hope shade of gray to everything. We've we've had this conversation before. Yes, we have. So you just hope. Okay, and then this leads to the final questions about where you think things are going in five years, where they think things are going in five years. I mean, and that and that's you know obviously it's looking into a crystal ball, so it's only as good as anybody else's prediction. Yeah, but and you just hope. And I know hope's not always a good plan. Hope that the sentiment you just talked about, Kevin. And let's not forget, there, is in the minority. People, there, were, there were numerous amounts of people who threw money at that anime tube Kickstarter. And those were people that probably wanted to stick it to the man too. Well, that, yeah, that was part of the, that was part of the mentality. Although it's, yeah. And maybe that's part of the whole crossroads that the that fandom and the anime industry is face it's less rebellious it's not that rebellious that feeling of rebellion isn't as much there anymore i think it's so, not as vocal sorry i think it's just not as vocal vocal yeah well because obviously of course if you have more legal ways of consuming content as long as you make it easy accessible people no dude it, they'll I, never be it'll, it'll never be easy enough they'll never be a free enough way e even if like it just it, it's hard to break that that ha that mentality that habit of like of, of pirating stuff i mean there's nothing you can certain people are just gonna pirate forever like there's a yeah. certain percentage of, of consumers that will forever pirate no matter how accessible something is yeah the whole like that he like, other than maybe going to the odd movie in theaters, he fucking pirates everything. Like, he, he does buy some video games, too, on Steam, if they're cheap enough. I say that about Yakuza, but okay. But, other than that, he fucking pirates everything. You know, it's, 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 it, it, it's just... I know, for me personally, when it comes to piracy, it's like, I feel bad about it, you know? Like, I feel morally wrong for doing it most of the time, right? But then there's times where I feel like, well, no, there's a giant corporation they can afford to <laughs> take, one, it for my my take, one for take it on the chip. really matter in the long scheme of things. Well, yeah, some, some people, but, but maybe that depends on how big you are, Devera or Chavez. True. Exactly. That, that's, that's what makes it even worse. The Chavez is steaming about like six months on the road seeing your scanlations on or your, 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 your output online like that. It's like, Especially when you're working on the margin like that, that's like super heartbreaking. Yeah, like I remember when he, they had to send a cease and desist letter to the one group that was scanlating the drops of God. And, you mm -hmm. know, the scanlation group complied. And that was probably one example of a title that really did need that cease and desist letter, too, given how uh, that title was one of the rare cases where they didn't license every volume and that. Uh, each volume's release was tied to the success of the previous volume. Mm. That's kind of fucked up. Hold on, really? Yeah. Uh, That's a fucked up deal, man. It was well, the manga is very long, first of all. So it's like a gauntlet. It's here. so but if I'm not mistaken, 
that was enforced by Shin Kibayashi, who's the okay. the creator of Drops of God. Uh, he, well, that's his actual name. He uses a pseudonym for Drops of God. Um, yeah, and he, I've heard he's had a bit of a reputation at times. So then, yeah, so it was like each volume had to hit a certain sales number for them, for Vertical, to put out the next volume. But at the same time, you could argue, as a, as you know, as a person that sits on the sidelines, that's doing armchair, like, debating, that that also does hedge your risk a little bit as well. Because then you don't have a Hajime no Ippo situation where you're like, oh shit, I gotta put out 130 volumes. Or in the case of Yen Press, oh shit, I have Yomushi Pedal and that's 70 volumes long. Hmm. Uh, or I think another example of like the limited, like there was a certain uh, limit to what they can publish was Vinland Saga. Because uh, I remember when Vinland Saga was licensed, Kodansha was telling fans, okay, we we only have the rights to the first like six or eight volumes. So if they if this doesn't do well, we're not putting out any more. And then eventually they did put out like the volume nine to ten like seven to eight all of us. And then they said, okay, we actually did do well enough to do nine and ten, but if this doesn't do well, we're not going to put out any more. So they kept on like, I don't want to say they threatened the fans, but hostage situation, bro. That's tough, man. Yeah. But, but that was the, that was the reality of the situation with Vinland Saga and the fans did come through because, uh, they are pretty much caught up with Japan now on Vinland Saga. Okay. Well, so in five years, I, like I think, think so. Yeah, I like to think that more and more people would just support the artist and be more. Well, that's where it gets it. kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe in five years we talk more about the art. Uh, in this period, we talk more about the artists as opposed to their aside from their works. And and Hamrick cited um, talking about Kentaro Mura. Yeah, he got a lot of mention when he died, but it's sad that it took his death to get that mention because they, there was this understanding of what Berserk did and the influence it had, not just in manga, but in a lot of Western IP as well. Right? And just uh, left us with a quiz. Do you know the name of the creator of Attack on Titan? Which I thought was an interesting quiz. I forgot already. But five years, as I said, um, people's tastes are getting more eclectic. Once again, they're growing older, and it's not a bad thing. There's a manga for everything, is the line that, that Hamrick used. But not everything is published. Let's not forget that, right? Right, but maybe the demand's there. I, I mean, I spoke with, I, I, I put in, in my notes, curling, question mark. Talking with Matt Alt. He, I asked him that exact question, and he put up a couple. He put up a couple titles that aren't available in English, and joking around with a couple curling fans, who I knew found out were also anime and manga fans, they are clamoring for that title. It's for it's slam dunk or haiku to come. 
or eye shield. I say touch, but they're looking for that moment, right? They're looking for that, that, that title to come out in English. So, but want, but he, but Hamrick also hopes for a bigger focus on, on the personalities themselves. Although we can debate, make this a debate for later on. It, or, or, and I put the note, yes, no, is the cult of personality out? I think that's probably a big overstate, but the person, but is the personalities of anime and manga gone uh, out now? We can debate that another time. And if uh, both of our listeners hear this, I'd like to hear their thoughts. I, I know, I know James and Jeff will give a thought there later on. But moving down the list, when you see where's the business going in five years, um, Acker, last boom bust 2009, doesn't really think that'll happen. We've, we've had that. We, we, we explained that already because the fundamentally different circumstances now uh, from now to then. But, but they do foresee some sort of steadying of this flux. It's this, they, they all, most of them are, by and large, optimistic. They think this whole thing is here to stay. Once again, comes back down to the way the consumer base has grown in 10 years too, or matured in 10 years. I mean, it's, 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 it's hopeful optimism, I guess. The idea that because the consumer base is maturing and will continue to mature, uh, and then new people will enter the fray and more people will consume and the numbers will increase and so forth. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, 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 we'll, we'll see, right? I mean, in five years time, we'll, we'll see. But Chavez, I know is a little bit more pessimist, uh, has a little bit more cautious with his, maybe even borderline pessimistic because he knows that distributors, certain distributors, uh, BNN, Diamond, they're, yeah. they're having their issues and they do, and they do have at least a double digit percentage of the mar of the distribution. And that's still significant and could still hold some frustration for some people. But in terms of what is released, continuation of growth, and the continuation of what he called challenging works. But, you know, since, but with um, Penguin Random House getting a better chance for outreach and avail uh, availability in the hopes everyone will be helped. But... Chavez's last thought was, I thought, the most interesting. Hopes for a trickle-down for each publishers to be rewarded for trying different things. And hopes not just for recognition for original Japanese artists, but for those who work on the localizations. Right, the, the, uh, the, gatekeep the, the gatekeepers, right? I mean, you got to give credit for the gatekeepers for letting in the... You know, golden well, gooses every so often. Yeah, I mean, I mean Hamrick uh, hammered the point about respecting his, the, their responsibility as a gatekeeper right. in that sense. But at least, you know, there, it's not just the artist. Work on, you show some love to those who do the adaptations to make it available worldwide. Although we had that discussion of that, well, that isn't there, always there. And it can get high profile when it's not there. Ask the translator of Kevin. Which title are we talking about again? Hmm. We talked about this a couple months ago. The translator who 
took off his uh, social media presence. Oh, uh, Caleb Cook. Oh, for uh, My Hero, right? My Hero. Okay, My Hero Academia. Thank you. Name on the tip of my tongue. Sorry, this is my age showing. I mean, from that perspective, I mean, I assume that in the next five years that, like, the pay disparity for translators and so forth will probably be dealt with somewhat. The word is somewhat i don't think we, we like this that's going to be an ongoing process as far as i could tell i mean I'm, i just don't like because this is the whole starving artist bit right 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 and that's 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 been a concept a, a uh, like that has stood the test of time i mean and and you'd hope that like at some point it, we we'd like not have that be the case mm -hmm. you yeah well um you know Hope, hope is a, never the greatest plan, like I said. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, and maybe this is the once now going to the downside of the social medias. Those people make themselves known, and they talk about their work, and they get trolled on pretty badly. Jealousy? Inaccuracy? Or somebody really being nitpicky on the inaccuracies? No, I, I, I think it's just the, the growing pains of the internet. I feel like in five to ten years' time, uh, those 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 people that troll like that will no longer be on the on the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, not in that way. I mean, it's just somebody who likes who thinks that they're uh, trying to be cute. I guess. No, no. I, I like. I, I think. I think within ten years' time, the cuteness will have died down to the point where no one tries that shit anymore. You're funny, Mo. I know, right? I'm hilarious sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, once again to once again to paraphrase or almost quote Conan O'Brien. Right now, the internet has outpaced human evolution. Okay, let's go back to. Uh, I want to end this with uh, Devera's thoughts because I thought his 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 um was. Once again, very interesting, like you stated, uh, Mo. He pointed to three predictions in what he thinks will happen in the next half decade. This will go on for a bit. Beatles manga's pop popularity is here to stay. That's first. Second, thinks there will be something interesting to come down with digital. Because most comics, re most, re um, most digitally read comics out there right now, what's popular is the Korean webcomic platforms. Biggest, and that's the biggest growth area. People putting money, and people put money out for the chapters there. Manga in many ways still has a way to go to match that, that popularity and accessibility. And he, he hopes something will happen in that time frame, five to 10 years. Digital manga platforms will develop and grow whether they like it or not. Remember when we talked about the anime tube story, one word that I kept saying was trust. The another phrase when we talked ICV2 during their Mongo week um, earlier this year was kicking and screaming. I mean, that's sort of the site, uh, that's sort of where we are here. We have yet to see that, dare I say Netflix digital-ish platform? Mm -hmm. right so and obviously if he knew exactly what form or if anybody knew exactly what form that would take it would have we'd be on our way 
If we knew that form of what we take, we wouldn't be doing this two-bit podcast. How how uh, how funny would it be that in five years' time, the Netflix of manga is like a GameStop-owned digital platform or something? Well, they they've they've had to be creative, but obviously there has to be a lot of buy-in. Anime Tube, I guess, were thinking they were they could or they could do something, but they lacked the trust, and probably burned all the bridges for that access. They lacked business sense too. Yeah, I mean, you go on the business end. I just go on the plain. Well, make yourself look good to the people you need to look good to. Not just a trade, not just a trade organization who probably doesn't have that access. They looked good to the wrong people, or at least the people who couldn't help them. Third, third point by Devere, and this is this pretty much ends it off the uh, thing, the panel. Most people consuming Mongo will be doing so by legitimate means, book or digital. I guess it comes back down to point number two. Consumers would develop a conscience to support the artists and those who work in the industry. His wish, of course he so see more Mongo come out here, a point where most titles will be available legitimately and people having a cornucopia of various options or overwhelmed as I think was the word I used. Bold word. Rose, rose color, uh, rose colored glasses. Definitely a little, a little bit. Maybe a think big. Well, because you think about it this way, there's so much manga in Japan, so it really depends on by most titles. What does he mean by that? Most titles licensed in North America, or most manga period? I, I assume he doesn't mean most manga period because that's just not realistic I, I i'm guessing north american but but even then i mean the, this is all based on uh, the well it's the emotion of the of this current of this last 18 months exactly exactly i mean this pandemic's not gonna last forever guys you know fingers crossed at some Although, point look at the look at those vaccination rates dude. oh god god that's <laughs> another story altogether right? we shouldn't get too far away from that but We'll save that for episode 49. Because you really do need you really do need one or two dominant platforms where you have manga titles from multiple publishers for people to really consider going legal. Plus, you'd have to figure out a way to monetize the people like some of my friends who don't fucking pay or don't read legally when the option exists even when it's free you just gotta hope that's that that segment gets squeezed out in some form as in their numbers dwindle yes that's what or, or anime or the legal numbers increase enough to mitigate the the non-legal numbers yeah that's what happened with anime version. right eventually you had enough platforms that had free legal anime to watch or cheap legal anime to watch in a subscription format that it's actually more hassle to pirate. Mm -hmm. But with manga, that's 
there's just so much more manga that's out versus anime. Because there's hundreds and thousands, there's thousands of manga titles that exist. So there's no way that all of that's going to be legal. Maybe the bulk of the new stuff will after a certain point. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that up with the uh, pair that up with the other hopes, the empathy for the artists and the well, uh, hope the companies are paying attention to what's pirated cuz those might be opportunities. And uh, I actually this is a bit of an aside. I I actually didn't feel like I fleshed out one of the points I made earlier about uh, like digital manga where uh, Kodansha, so pretty much with Kodansha stuff, it's like, okay, if we get enough digital sales, then we may consider making those, making this digital exclusive title in print. That was what I took an issue with, Mike, because I'm not the person who will want to double dip because I prefer reading my digital manga through a subscription service. I'm not going to pay eight bucks for a digital manga volume when I know I could pay two more dollars and have a, or three more dollars or whatever, and then have a physical version that I could potentially get rid of and get some of my money back if I don't want anymore, or if I really needed to get some money for whatever reason in my life. Granted, I know like, you know, sales happen and I know Kodansha did do a sale recently where they made some volume ones free and they made some volume two and threes very cheap, like one or two dollars. So Maybe that's trying. the pricing model. Yeah. Well, you made me reflect on something else that happened ten years ago: the ebook, con- all those ebook controversies, and and price controversies. Did you get your uh, check from? Uh, I think Google did it, and Amazon had their. Uh, no, I, I have no clue how to do that. But and I, you did hit a, a, an interesting point. Ten years on, the ebooks really like they're cool, but maybe they're not to the level that we thought they would be because the pricing is still. Well, we thought that the that it could make a book more affordable. All it just really ended up. I think the formula that ended up happening instead was well, the physical went up, and the ebook was at the level where the physical once was, or at least something in between. It, it's it's but certainly it's it just the price is never really the price on an ebook version never really came down which is you know so, it's like whatever i understand why or margin i imagine or profit mm-hmm. margin but something happened in it but the model but it hasn't worked out the way many consumers hoped but yeah i'm not I'm not paying, not paying like almost full price for a digital book when it's not something that I can flip through. Well, not that I, well, you, I guess you can technically flip through the tablet, but you know what I mean. No, I know. Just run your fingers through it. Run yeah. your thumb ac- across the edge of the pages, right? 
I'm I'm surprised more places don't do the uh, the Audible type uh, subscription model plus digital sales. Like I feel like that's a decent model, you know, where you pay that monthly subscription, get access to a whole bunch of stuff, or you can buy stuff individually. But I mean, it's it's at some point someone has to come up with like a universal, not universal, but like a really decent like pricing structure, right? Well, I'm glad it's interesting that you brought up the audiobook part of it. So there's, and that's a food for thought, I guess, because I never really thought of it, to be honest. I'm sure somebody else is looking at it, but we'll see. Yeah, but basically, I don't want to double dip. Okay, and I I don't want to have to buy a digital copy just so that I can, like, hope that I might get a, a physical version down the road. Well, guess what? Yeah, and that all said for me is was, well, I double dipped on a Kickstarter when it came to Kimigori Orange Road. Got a digital, got the physicals at the same time. I mean, the, the double dipping, I feel like, is is only for certain titles that you truly care about, right? Like, yeah, I, and, that was the, that, and that was the mitigating circumstance. Well, Mike, and you in guys your know. case, you got them both. Well, not, well, it was supposed to be both at the same time, but you were you were already buying both together. That's different than... Oh, we're holding the physical version hostage because we don't know if it'll do well. Okay, that's not fair to say it's holding it hostage, but basically it's like because we don't know how well it'll do, like we can't we can't put it physically right now because we can only put out so many books, which is which is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as I said, ongoing discussion. Um any uh, any final thoughts you want to bring up or should we just uh, let the uh, end the chat and then let uh, others see what they think and see what others ultimately think about it, whether it's through, well, whatever comments come up or what James and Jeff ultimately say. Uh, I really need to buy boys on the ride. I've been meaning to pick that up for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boys on the ride. That's that, that seems to be uh, interesting. That's been on my radar for quite a while, actually, even before its release. Mm-hmm. Mo? Uh, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, you brought up some interesting, some interesting thoughts, especially at the end there. I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes, right? I mean, we could all be optimistic. Hopefully. No, we're trying to be anyway. We're trying to be. It's just what stuck out. And this is something we're just talking about the stuck the stuff that's stuck out in a panel that's available uh, now available on YouTube. So we're going to put the link up again for that, although we did put it up for the last episode. And in many respects, a lot of what was stated here, we talked about in some form as it relates to other segments of our fandom. So the, essentially we're funneling it all into manga. All the stuff we've talked about in the pandemic series. How it how it uh, how that relates to the manga side. And this was a interesting interesting panel and reheightens some of um the the awareness that uh, I lost personally in on the manga side. I don't know how much personally I'll end up uh, consuming in the near future. Maybe I'll look at the present. Di- I keep saying I'll look at the present digital options. 
and we'll see. I guess one of the danger I'm going to see is if we make that attempted Netflix move. Just keep in mind where the streaming movie services are right now. There's a lot of options. And the danger right now is, well, the public, uh, the manga side could have even more of those. And that's, I guess, the real fear. So you're right on the funneling and uh, a service that could unite, that could be able to draw from more than a few publishers at a time. Yeah, you know, it's like one for all or all for one, right? Mm-hmm. It's either we, 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 we survive together or we die alone. <laughs> one of those things. So... As I said, we'll, the, these are interesting predictions and crystal balls, but no, no, but in the end, no one really knows what's going to happen. And if we did, we'll, they'd be rich. But in the end, uh, well, uh, it's up to them and it's up to the consumers, us as fans. So please, people, go buy stuff. We need you to buy more stuff. Or at least uh, give consideration. Um, you just, as I said, you're you're hearing our thoughts on a panel that happened. So watch the uh, panel if and this if you took any interest in what we have just talked about over the last hour twenty five minutes. Sorry, uh, Mo. Last thing. No, no, and then then hit up your local shops and buy all the manga you can buy. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. One last thought. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that is doing as well as it is now and it really does seem like more mainstream than in the past even in comparison to the initial boom time during Tokyo Pop's heyday because I see it in person like I go to chapters or indigo and I go to independent bookshops and I see people like going through the manga shelves talking about yeah I damn, I can't find that new volume of JoJo, or like, yeah, I've read, oh yeah, like, hey, I read this, it was really good, you can check it out. Uh, just seeing more and more people, like, you know, browsing the shelves and buying stuff in person really does show that manga's been doing quite well, and I'm happy for it. Still a lot to consider, though. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for the next. Uh, can't wait for the next Indigo sale, I guess. Yeah, hopefully that's going to happen at the end of this month. Who knows, yeah. though. By the way, if you're still making that order, if you're still making that birthday order at uh, order with uh, Indigo, I still would like to help uh, your help in with with the latest Haruhi novel. We'll see how I forgot goes. about that in my order. We'll huh? See how it goes. Okay. But there's our thoughts. For what it's worth, as we uh, in this uh, little space eater chat. So, what's your contribution to the chat? Let us know. Anime Roundtable at gmail.com is our email address. You can hit us up on the socials at Anime Roundtable, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow us there, and you'll hear from us. And if you are hearing this for the first time and any of this got your attention. You probably know our web address, animeroundtable.com. You can listen to past episodes there and show notes for all the other episodes. Not as if you really need notes for this one. 
in any event, that's all we got for this little almost 90 minutes space heater chat. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you in episode 49, either next week or the week after.